Hey, this is Bob and the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is our theme. Even though one of our cast members has not adhered to the rules, we are still carrying on, are we not? Are we cast members? Whatever it's called, podcast isn't a podcast. <laughs> Podcasters, are I think we podcasters. Called, I think we're oh, yeah. pod buddies. Pod, pod, we're pod, pod people. Pod so, buddies. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's like at first we we're just gonna have a memorializing Mike, and and uh, it's been three weeks now, and I think uh, you know I talked to Keith tonight and said, "Can you do it?" And he's like, "I'm really tired." And then uh, Wiley was supposed to do it, and then he's got to work the Roxy tonight. So it's just back to, and and Elijah acted just like Mike trying to set up this show just now. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, oh God, I feel, what I feel is like, this? Oh, oh no. God, oh Jesus, it's not that? working. Yeah. Ah, can you hear <laughs> find it? A, find yeah. a new way every week. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like half his age, Elijah. You sound just like him. Yeah. So. So I just figured, you know, we had a Chuck and I had a talk today about like carrying on. I think we should carry on. The, the subject is drug addiction in America. How nobody gives a fuck about it. Hundreds of thousands of people are dying. Oh, when Matthew Perry dies, it's so much more important than what you're, when your kid or my kid dies. Um, that's something I wanted to touch on. I, I, uh, yeah, why don't we, why don't we start it, there? And here's, here's, let's start right there because we've gone through this for years. Celebrity dies. Uh, well, let's let me. An a known addict celebrity dies in the prime of their life at you know whether it's Tom Sizemore or, or ad infinitum of all the celebrities that have died of drugs since we've been doing this podcast, and immediately, if you suggest that it might be drugs, you're the worst person on earth, Chuck. How could you say that about Matthew Perry? How could you say that? He's been sober. Because because that addiction is a the most deadly, powerful disease I've ever seen. My father-in-law is 85, is 87 years old, just survived stage four cancer. Like, I see people survive cancer all the time. Norman Lear, the great television producer, died of 101 of a heart attack, and he had heart disease for 40 years. People live with all the scary diseases, cancer, heart disease, diabetes. Keith has diabetes. People live full natural lives with other diseases, right? My friend Dave Becky mm -hmm. survived cancer. Like people live in, you know, through cancer. There's a treatment. There's a, there's a cure for many cancers. There's a treatment. There's, there's, there's stints. There's, there's bypass surgeries for heart disease. There's insulin and all kinds of new mechanics of, of diabetes. And people are living full and natural lives with that. They are not with addiction. You die when you're 52 or 38 or 22 or 27 or 30. Oh, 27. That's a good year to die, I guess, apparently. <laughs> but, but so I don't think we should stop because the death isn't stopping. So anyways, Matthew Perry dies. And I, God forbid suggest to just a handful of friends like like you know 
you know, oh, there was no drugs. At the, the claim was there was no drugs at the scene. I go, dude, whoever his personal assistant has cleaned up the drugs. What are you talking about? I was at Will Chamberlain's house when he died. They got the cocaine out of there before they called the cops. Right? <laughs> 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 they did. Hal Negro's dad got the what, Cy Goldberg, got the fucking cocaine out of there. Will was doing coke for years. He had, Will Chamberlain had two types of coke. He had coke for himself and his friends and coke for guests. <laughs> <laughs> but none on the scene. But there was none on the scene when Wilt died. Uh, there's never any drugs at the scene unless you die by yourself, right? Like, what? My, Todd Warren. Uh, Elijah, remember Todd Warren, my friend? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so Todd Warren, Chuck was a good friend of mine, and um, I wrote the song "Boy at a Bus Stop" about him. That's on the Bicycle Thief record. He died in the Salvation Army in downtown LA, and he died of a heroin overdose. But yet there was no, no needles, no spoons, no drugs, no anything in his room at the Salvation <laughs> it's Army. Because How the good addicts there swiped it. How did That's that different. Happen? People swipe that shit. People. It, it, <laughs> well, that's the. Not the spoon they wouldn't swipe, would they? <laughs> it, was the, it was the spoils of a heroin use kind of ride. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when people are irrational, when an addict, a known addict, uh, sadly, it doesn't make it less sad. I am sad when I hear, oh, I was devastated when Todd died, but I'm sad, but I'm not surprised. And all these normal people are surprised that a drug addict died. You know what well, I mean? didn't he? Didn't he um, like go out? Didn't he like drown in a jacuzzi or something because he was under the uh, influence? Well, I, who knows? Like you're going to get crucified for how could you say? Like, how could you, you know, say that he was under the influence? <laughs> drown in two well, inches of water? How could you say the, that? Because <laughs> the autopsy came back and he he was abusing ketamine. This is another thing. Now this is going to set ketamine treatment way back. So a friend of Dr. So. Sharp, my uh, Dr. Sharp, it's good for depression, is what I hear. Anyways, I am taking it, but oh, I should uh, try it. But you can't give drug addicts drugs to regulate themselves, even Suboxone, even Seroquel. I remember when Seroquel came on the scene. Right, I had this guy Barney, this client of mine, and uh, and. I couldn't give him a ride where he needed to go. He was at Sober Living in Bronson and Franklin or something. And I, I was like, no, I have to go east. And he had to go. He wanted to go to, I don't know what it was, some AME in Beverly Hills. And I was like, I'm not going. And so he went. To, I overheard him say to a guy in the Sober Living living room as I was leaving because I lived in South Pasadena. I was like, I'm going east. I'm not driving you all the way to Beverly Hills and then driving back. And he, I heard him say, I'll give you two Seroquels for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, there's, there's, that's, my, there's my grandson right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 was was there. Head, what are you doing? What are you doing there? So uh, so he traded two Seroquels for a ride to Beverly Hills. I'm figuring this Seroquel stuff must be, you know, it must do something, right, Chuck? If drug addicts are trading it for well, rides? The, the clients that I know that misused it, would take it and then fight through the tired because if you fight through the tired you can you can get a cool little loopy phase that makes you hungry too so they're always they you could tell the ones that were 
that we're doing it because they about an hour and a half after taking it, they'd be in the kitchen <laughs> making something to eat. <laughs> the other people real. that would just give into the <laughs> sleep. How pathetic. Wait, let's just give the scene from there. So how pathetic is that? You're abusing Seroquel. You're trying to fight through a non-addictive sleep aid or antipsychotic to get a little bit of a buzz on so you can go eat sober living food. As If anybody, a lot of our <laughs> listeners have been in sober living. I used to shine for my sober face. living. I remember when, when one of these, I'm not going to say princesses, but one of these rich kids that was living in my Beachwood house, and I, I said, I, you know, I'm going grocery shopping for the house, right? And he goes, oh, I want to go. And I pulled into the 99 cent store down on Hollywood Boulevard near Normandy. And he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? How much? You're making so much money off us living in your house? And I was like, what is this bread and sugar and peanut butter? What do you want me to do? Whole Foods it? You want me to shop at Whole Foods for peanut butter and sugar and bread? Like it's a 99 cent store. This is a legitimate place. And you told them spend, and spend your seven bucks on anything you <laughs> yeah, want. Go crazy. You know, here they got it fucking bonds. Yeah. You know, like the, the cereal set, because they, they, I don't know, sober living. I would buy 10 boxes of cereal and they'd be gone in a week. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This and you can either milk. spend 100 bucks or 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Go <laughs> and spend 100 bucks. So, so, anyways. I just think we should carry on because the problem hasn't stopped. The problem hasn't ended. And um, and Mike, Mike didn't really know about the drug problem. He kind of lived in his sober world. But I think he got enlightened. He became passionate about this thing of like trying to spend the message like fentanyl is going to kill you, kids. Like, you know, you can't be mixing these drugs. Don't abuse your... If we learn anything from Matthew Perry, you know, you can't just take as much um, ketamine as you want. And I, I guess, and call it guided <laughs> recovery. Call it guided recovery. Guided I mean, recovery. I've never, I've never taken ketamine. Have you, Elijah? Have you taken yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, back in the what day. Does do little... you? What does it do to you? What does it do to you? I don't know. The way that people are using it, my generation seems to be using it right now. They just taking it all the time. I saw a guy. So like, guy that what I does really, it make you feel tired? Or make you feel depressed? To make you, I think or, or it like makes you feel. Not, I think it kind of fights depression. But when you use it constantly, I think people really, like a lot of people I know, are using it constantly now. And skin popping it, they're snorting it all day long. Oh God, and it, skin popping! Look at that, Chuck. The kids will always <laughs> come up with something. Skin popping ketamine. But it's like to fight depression. But then when you're using, I'm watched, I watched two people I really respect get really <laughs> fried on it. And one of them, it was fighting their depression. And it was helping them have three jobs and do all this stuff. But eventually they're just dissociated and weird and they can't. Somebody, somebody yeah. plays them a song yeah, and they start sobbing it. and they, they, you know, they take jobs and they never finish them, and then they scream at the people that they didn't finish the job for. It's like that sounds like all millennials. That doesn't sound like just <laughs> all. Yeah. Well, there he goes. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's right back to like stop. the first. That's like the first twenty episodes. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. I've been. No, it's really prevalent here's now. Here's the thing. I've been working on. Like I've been working on a song. Trying. I'm trying to. You know, we're gonna make a bicycle deep record, and I meant like. Why is everybody so miserable? And it's hard to be around because I'm 
I'm a cantankerous person, but I'm not miserable. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like cantankerous is different you than know, miserable. Like, I, I, I tried to, I, I tried to describe you today, and I don't. I, I, you know, he likes to throw out. Like, is good. Cantankerous. Yeah, it's good, but you, you do like to throw out a big statement that causes a reaction where people either jump on board with it. Or go, ah, oh, fuck no. You're not a middle-of-the-road <laughs> kind of guy on any I'm not middle-of-the-road. So, no. Middle-of-the-road, like, life's too short for the middle-of-the-road. Mike Murray used to say you're going to get hit by a truck out there. Get to the side, one side or the other. <laughs> All these miserable people. I've been writing this song. All these miserable people. All over town. All over town. These miserable people. In the poor part of town, in the rich part of town, and these miserable kids down at the high school, down at the college, all these miserable people spitting the hatred, spitting the misery, all these miserable people. Why is everybody so miserable? You know what I mean? Why? Oh, you're gonna Maybe. be dead someday. Do you want to just spend the rest, the, what what few days you have left, just being angry at everybody and this oh thing and that boy. thing? Oh my boy! See, you oh, just you well, took he, his pacifier he, away. But, he drops but, it all day. He's good. I know they drop it in the dirt <laughs> and then they put it in their mouth. That's the way they build their immune systems. I know. What, uh, Chuck, why is so <laughs> many people idiot. miserable? Because you are not a miserable person. You're going through a lot. Your family's going through a lot. You're still pleasant. You're still, you know, lovely and amiable. And we had a great conversation today. Why, why people who's, who are not going through anything bad, are they so fucking angry and miserable? It's, it's a, it's a worldwide phenomenon at this point, I think, but it's definitely an American phenomenon. Like, isn't it? Isn't isn't that really a choice? Isn't yeah, it, it's really, totally a state of isn't mind. It really but it, what it's what you look for, you're going to find. Yeah, you know. But and like, I, and, I, and if you're not miserable, they they're like you're not paying attention or something. Like, but, I, but I'm also, I say, but I, I say, well, I don't. I'm not on social media, so don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like. What do you mean? And I was like, I don't care who's going to be president. I don't fucking care. I don't care at all. Not one bit of me cares who's president. Not one fucking bit. It's never mattered in my lifetime ever. Nixon was president. Gerald Ford was president. JFK was president. Johnson was president. Clinton was president. Bush Sr. was president. Bush Jr. was president. Who fucking cares? Nothing ever changes. We just murder other people in other countries all the time. That's what we do best. And it and it does and it's and it's both sides, right? Like I hate to say it, you say that word now and you're like lumped in with Trump. Like Obama killed Syrian children with drones and 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 we're going to kill more people. That's what America does. We build bombs and kill people. Like, how does it matter what who, which team is in power? It doesn't matter. I heard a really, heard a really good guy talking about about how it doesn't how it doesn't matter. They both have the same goal, which is just corporate lobby. So Democrats want to lose, and Republicans want to win, and neither one of them enact what their what their their election talking points are. Well, you got to serve so many about. masters. 
it's all just bullshit. You got to serve all the fringe masters and this, these people, and you can't cross these people. And, you know, you know, I, I just, the whole thing is like, who cares? And, 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 and what matters is Isaiah and the world he grows up in. And what I'm upset about, I guess, or, or just disillusioned by why everyday people in everyday life, in suburban Southern California are so angry and miserable. I see it everywhere I go. Like, you know, I, I was coming up to a light. I picked it up at school, making a right turn, <laughs> making a right turn. And, you know, a car was coming really fast up the street. It's probably a 35 zone. He's probably doing 40. So I sped up, you know, cause I realized like I pulled and he's going faster than I thought he was and whatever. He just tailgated me to the, to the stoplight. And it's a stoplight, Chuck. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, 300 feet. And he had to show me that I'm a fucking asshole for pulling in front of him and not realizing how fast he's going. And I'm an asshole. You could just feel it in his tailgating of me. Right? And she's like, what? Why? Who even cares? I just, I don't even care what other people do. I just go around them. Uh, I just feel like they're just, like, I really, I really do think the negativity starts with what people are feeding themselves when they wake up, whether they put on news radio or they put on, uh, or they've got some sort of news cycle that starts their day negative, and then it's all you know cognitively distorted thinking. Like the well, world's yeah. either going to hell. I don't think it's going to hell, and I don't think it, we're on the road to redemption either. I think uh, I, I look for the for the good. You know, when Bugs having a good day. I appreciate that he's having a good day and I don't let the fact that he has bad days get me down. I'm looking for the next positive. So I find it. I was just, I was talking about that earlier, you know, looking for the magic in the daily routine, man, there's a lot of it. You know, when you've got to, when you slow down and you choose, instead of going, fuck, I got to go to work because I've got a mortgage payment. You go, I get to go to work because I own a house that it's it's the same freaking thing or it's like you know what uh, we've got a car payment well you know what i've got two cars that run one of them's paid off you know this is a situation i've never been in for i i haven't stopped being grateful because i haven't forgotten what it was like when i was getting loaded there was no hope there was no i i believed i was going to die i always said that when i was new sober if i knew i was going to live through this i wouldn't have made such a mess you know, when it took me five years to get out of debt with the government and out of legal trouble and, you know, to where I'm not being garnished anymore and get my life back on track. And then it's just like, it, it means something. I, I, my sobriety is intentional. It's not accidental. And I don't take it for granted. But, but we know a lot of sober people that are just glued to the internet. This is every word. Did you hear what so-and-so said? I was like, no, I don't go on there. No, I have not been on Twitter or Facebook or any of this shit for almost three years now. My life is fucking golden. What do I need that shit for? Like, is there something I'm missing out on? Like, like, what am I missing out on? What, what, you know, somebody's had for breakfast or somebody's opinion about something? It's gotten worse since you left. It's really, really bad. Well, then why do people go on it? What good is it? Because they're addicted to the bad feelings, the dopamine receptors, they're addicted to all the negativity. It's part of their... There you go. It's part of the there, your, well, think, that's what I'm saying. I so, think, is it an addictive thing? Is America addicted to being angry? 
Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Yes, I think it's sure. addicted to being angry. Or and so, sad so or when you're anything negative. Sad, frustrated. Judge, to judge others. To powerlessness, judge others and, judgmental. Like every, none, none of it is, no, nobody seems. Like I can already feel, like this hasn't even posted yet. I can already feel <laughs> 50 of our friends hating me for saying I don't care who's president. There's going to be, I know, let, next time I see you, what the fuck is that on your podcast when you say you don't care who's president? You, you, you can sell BGQ people? Like, no. What the fuck do you think? Is this the part? Is that the part I have to cut? <laughs> well, no. It's just like, whatever. Or are you against Israel? Or are you against Hamas? Or what? I mean, I'm not against anything. I just don't give a fuck. What, what happens to, like, not give a fuck? Yeah. You right? know what we. 150 million Americans don't vote. Yeah. What about that? But they're infuriated about the policies of foreign countries because it's because it's what they want to get angry at today on it. No, it's it's Dude, it's what they're being it's what they're being this country don't give a fuck about anything. There's 16 million kids aren't going to have breakfast tomorrow in America. In fucking America, right down the street from these assholes who worry what's going on across the world. There's kids in your neighborhood don't have fucking food to eat, you assholes. I'm well, serious. I know. No, yeah, I understand I this completely. <laughs> and I think there's a big thing about sobriety is that uh, for me, I, I notice and the people that I gravitate towards in getting sober, I want to hold on to, I want to not forget and become a part of the mainstream of society. I want to, to the thing I said when you were at my, my second birthday about wanting to hold on to the gift of desperation and wanting to remember how bad life can get so that I don't become sedentary and do nothing and stare at Instagram and get depressed all day and get frustrated about a moth or not have the energy to, to try and be a good parent and a good partner and make sensible decisions in my life. Like I Show don't me a wanna... time in history where mankind has been good to each other. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. How, no. much, how much fucking history do you? That maybe it's these people don't read history. Why do you think we right. save these dates? We celebrate dates where one time one guy did something nice. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, know, one person. Fucking Attila the yeah. Hun and fucking Genghis Khan and fucking all the way. That's in the East, the wonderful spiritual East. And then you go to the West and like the Crusades and fucking the Black Plague and like Jesus Christ, man. The yeah, fuck do no, you think's been going on for thousands of years? It's no, it's I, just more of the same. And I'm not cynical. I just don't. I, it surprises me when there's no war, and it surprises me when people resolve conflict, and it surprises me when North Korea and South Korea can say, "Yeah, we're just gonna like have this area between us where nobody goes, and then you do what you do, and we do what we do." Like, how weird is the Korean? Peninsula, D, the DM, <laughs> like, DMZ, DMZ, but they were at war for like twenty years, and they just said, you know what? Like, let's just call it a day. And and for well, I think it's been like sixty, yeah, sixty, sixty-five years. They've just been like neutral towards each other. They're fucking blood related. They're, it's yeah. like Fresno in LA. <laughs> like, you no, know that's I mean? a problem. And you if any of those Fresno fuckers end up down here, I'll take them out. <laughs> the Fresno people, you keep those fucking Fresno people up there. 
I can tell him. So, I can so tell that him. gives me hope that you could have, you know, everybody's talking about this, this Gaza thing. Like, Korea is the example. You think, that, well, this, you think the South Koreans like the North Koreans? No, they don't. No, but look, this, this is, is a, something until until this, this happened that uh, Palestine and the Gaza Strip wasn't on anybody's radar. Everybody will say they, they were concerned and always knew. But the second it was put in front of them and made a, a topic by the by the people that run media, because a lot of things, people, people are shown things that are meant to divide and it's working. And it's so exhausting to say that over and over. The, the, the divide and conquer why, mentality why is, is so here's, big. Here's one of the things, like I have a passion for addicts. I have a passion for kids. I have a passion for Southern California, basically. And, and those all directly relate to me. I can go help kids in my neighborhood. I can coach a soccer team. I can, I can start a music school. I can do this. I can do that around where I live. I can have real right. effect on the people around me. I right. can't have much effect on something I don't have anything to do with. None. Yeah. First of no. all, you, first of all, we we can't do that. And this is the this is the uh, crazy part of the internet uh, that people think that they I can go. This, hey, <laughs> at Joe Biden, what do you think you're doing about this? Like their opinion, yeah, yeah. like, like their like opinion change things. Yeah, well, you, you know what I mean. I got to tell you something though that I came up the other day. Actually, came up yeah this morning. So there's a organization that I was in the beginnings of called No Kid Hungry. Right now it's a big deal. Now it's at Subway. Now it's at it's at Stater Brothers. So they ask you um, if you want to contribute to No Kid Hungry. Right? This is I got involved in it about I don't know like eight years ago when it first started. And so once it became mainstream and people found out about it, and I was part of the Subway thing, it's like a long story. The guy in Subway is a sober guy, and it's like a long story. But so there's this organization called No Kid Hungry. Billy Love is the guy's name. Billy, I think it's Billy Love. Anyways, he's a great guy, and I got involved in it at the beginning, and then I told everyone about it, and then it kind of took off a life of its own, and now it's this huge nonprofit that's everywhere right and so they ask you if you want to donate your change to no kid hungry and i always say no i already have, I already have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I, but i wonder how much longer i can do that for based on my prior actions from eight years ago i, th I think at a certain point i'm gonna have to start giving the no kid hungry again I, I think. Yeah, but, but, but then because that's where I get the quote of 16 million kids. So I'm sitting at this fundraiser, Chuck, and it was the second fundraiser of the week. And so, so I'm at the music school benefit fundraiser uh, that Neil Young played at. And as I'm leaving, my friend Ron says, so I'll see you Thursday. And I was like, what's on Thursday? This is on a Sunday night. And he goes, the thing at my house. And I was like, what is it again? And he goes, you just have to come. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll be there. So I go there, and the same guy I was sitting at the table with at the music benefit is at that thing. The great basketball <laughs> player, Baron Davis. The great basketball player, Baron Davis. Very philanthropic guy. Grew up here in Southern California. Greatest guy. So he's sitting next to me, and the guy giving the speech at this little dinner party at this house says, how many, how many children do you think 
in America don't know whether they're going to have breakfast tomorrow. And Baron looks at me like, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, and so I'm figuring like 2 million, right? Is that sounds like a good number, doesn't it? When it's sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> like 2 million is acceptable. I think. <laughs> two, million, <laughs> 2 million starving children in America is acceptable. Like, what can you do? There's as always going to be 2 yeah. million kids that don't have breakfast. Like, as long whatever. as they're not mine, right? <laughs> Just not in my backyard. I don't want to see the hungry so, kids. It was so awful. And so he looked at me and I said, like, two. I went under the table because you don't want anybody to say, like, two million. And he's like, no, no, like, four. He's doubling what I'm thinking. <laughs> and the guy says, 16 million children don't know whether they're going to have a healthy breakfast tomorrow. And I was like, that is so fucked up. Now, think about just how cynical that is. Two million is mm. acceptable. Four million, I, I don't know. That's a lot. Sixteen million, I was outraged, and I got involved oh. with them. And we, uh, I got involved with them, and and it was such a fucking crazy thing. So the federal government allots for the food for the children. Chuck, get this. Get how crazy our government is. So Congress okay. authorizes the four hundred million dollars to feed children breakfast, but the school districts don't access it. Because their unions don't like cleaning up the mess of it. Wow. Swear to God. Swear to fucking God. The program's called the Breakfast, in, Breakfast in the Classroom, it's called. And oh. so now they've gone to a non-voucher system. They were influential in that, where there's not just poor kids have vouchers and have to embarrass themselves. Now most uh, public schools' food is free for everyone, right? Yeah. To get rid of the shame of of food uh, disparity and stuff like that. But but think about that. <laughs> they, they, the money was there. And so then I get involved. I'm like, well, how the fuck? If the money's there, why are the kids not getting the food? And it's the teachers' union, superintendents, and blah, 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 blah. I said, well, so what do you do? And he goes, you need, you need to power in a community to go and pressure them to do the right thing. And so that's what we did, little by little, in different parts of southern california some were easier than others but hmm. think about that the money is available to the schools to feed the children think yeah. about that so so when you just stand out and say black white black and white issue this person's bad i'm good they're bad i'm good you don't understand the complexity of government of problems of the magnitude of the problems Right. You just don't understand it. Right. Chrissy was yeah. a, a, a therapist in El Monte School District and the kids don't even want to go to therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she'd have appointment after yeah, appointment right? and kids don't show up and whatever. And then she just happened to buy some Doritos one, uh, 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 Doritos chips, like she had a bag for herself and she had bought another bag or something. And she was walking to her thing and the kid walked with her and she said, what's going on? And she goes, I, he goes, I'm your appointment. Can I have some Doritos? And she, she was like, Oh yeah, yeah. And gave him a bag. And then he did his, his counseling session. And then she just <laughs> bought boxes of those, of those, of those Doritos chips. And all the kids started coming for fucking the sessions. Swear hey, to God, this is a true story. We like, did that at AA. We gave away cigarettes. 
Cigarettes? <laughs> in Skid Row, yeah. <laughs> we, we'd, we'd buy a carton of cigarettes, go down and hand out three cigarettes per person. At, uh, and they'd come to the AA Florence. Meetings? Yeah, and they'd show up down there. So, so anyways, it, it, it's just like these problems are complex and they, they take compromise and they take, you know, the problems of addiction are like really misunderstood. I don't think addicts are bad people. And yet, if you call someone an addict, everyone assumes you're calling them a bad person, right? Well, the, the actions of an addict look like a bad person making bad decisions. No, I think, I think greed is the worst thing that you can possess in your heart. Greed. And most Americans are greedy as fuck. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, you could say addicts are greedy, I guess, because they want drugs or something, but not really. Addicts, I've known 100,000 well, addicts. Mostly they're, they just want what they need. They're just, they're just kind of sad. I think, I, I think <laughs> I don't have sympathy. No, it's just like kind of lost, kind of sad, kind of arrogant mm -hmm. for no reason. It's kind of just a sad, Arrogant for feel, no reason. I feel, they just sound like I, Americans. <laughs> I feel sympathy. I feel I feel empathy for addicts, but I don't feel empathy for greedy people. I don't feel sympathy for greedy people. I don't. And so greed to me is the is the of the seven deadly sins, that thing that you need way more than you than you ever could have or ever could need. That's worse. And that's mo most Americans. Like I, yeah, I see it all the time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, and I'm guilty of it. I got more than I need, but uh, like, but some people are just obsessed with having more and more and more that they don't need. Yeah. I, I, I'm blessed with a lack of ambition, but the, um, I'm starting to feel it with working half days. It's just like, I'm looking at what I need to do next, but it's not, not because I want a, a third house or a bigger boat or, you know, a hundred thousand dollar car. It's because I want to make sure that there's something left for bug. Right. Yeah. You know, my motivation is different. So I, but I have been, I've been looking at that. It's like, how Brian, do you, a, you know, you want to look out, you want to give opportunity to people to say, so I want to give opportunity to any, everybody, but like your family, yeah, you want to give opportunity, but I don't know. My dad spent all his money and I grew up on fucking, you know, social security and welfare. I'm doing all right. This whole <laughs> idea that you need a, a big pile of money to start out with. How many of our clients have had that? You know what I mean? And you don't really need been that successful. much. And been successful. <laughs> like uh -huh. something about having to hustle is important. Elijah's hustled his whole life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what was my mantra? I'd say, I'll help you if you're helping yourself. Like the thing with the cars and Elijah had a tendency to park wherever he wanted, Chuck, for many years. He would park right just wherever he wanted. Probably, <laughs> probably. I would say it was your biggest problem. That was your biggest uh, problem. Parking. I don't know. I've had a lot of problems, but that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but remember they used to have the That boot? one never bothered me. That one never bothered me boot. much until they impounded or booted the car. Yeah. I, the booting. I don't. Do they boot anymore? I don't think they do. Can I say something crazy? The, the, yeah. Well, okay. I've never gone to court behind traffic or parking tickets ever. I've never been. And I figured out that when you file your taxes, they'll take it out of your tax return. 
Oh, there I you just go. do that. I just never engage <laughs> with the courts. I <laughs> well, never go down there. Fuck them. I will participate. I won't participate. They can take the money that you know I, I already no, got I'll taken from me. I'll tell you how they get you. So <laughs> I have the. I I'll tell you how they get you. They get you in car registration too. That's so right. Yeah. I have the white box for L.A. County, right? But when we go to Legoland on the 15, I ride in that lane. And I put the box. I do this every fucking time. I put the box up. And when you go under the thing, it doesn't beep. Now, I know, Chuck, it's it's San Diego County. I know it's right. not. I know my box doesn't work there. But every time I put it up there, thinking it's going to work, <laughs> then I don't get a ticket. So I figure it did work, even though I hear it every time it doesn't beep when you go through the thing. When you go in L.A. County on the 10 or on the 105, it beeps. Yeah. Wait, you right? still have you still have the box? You don't have the box. sticker? Yeah. No, I have the box. Oh, they have, have stickers now for those things. You just put them on your windshield. Oh, I have the box. So so get this. So I go to register the SUV, Right. And and so I didn't even look at the thing. The thing came. I knew it's in December. I got to fucking register it and whatever. And I go and it's like $790. I'm like, how the fuck is it $790 <laughs> to register a car? <laughs> beep, beep, beep. $7.90. $7.90. They just added like $400 onto the fucking yeah. registration of the car. Yeah. Wait, but yeah. that's that's isn't aren't the toll roads a private entity? No, but it's, they can obviously it comes. They got to deal with the, they got to deal with the DMV somehow. Well, you know that is <laughs> that is not okay that a government agency does the collection for a private agency. Yeah, well, plenty of money is exchanged. Beep, get it, beep. Go there. You know that we'll privatize and sell anything. You know, we sold the Ohio Turnpike to a Japanese corporation. And now the Ohio Turnpike, which everybody uses, if you need to get around the Midwest, the Rust Belt up to the Northeast, it's fucked. It's got potholes. It's it's a disaster. You, well, because the Japanese are just for, taking the the toll money and they're not fixing the road. You're just complaining about no, what's not already bad. Let me tell sell you anything. I need to get the San Diego beeper box. That's what I need for when I go to Lego. Right. Right. That's important. How so you can pay it monthly. <laughs> let's see and, Sam, now, and look at how I'm complicated life is now i gotta find out about this sticker why am i not offered the sticker why do i have the boxes immediately you shamed me chuck i'm not hit yeah. I have the well, they box. don't want to put you up they don't want to put you up on the sticker because they got you for four hundred dollars a year if they don't let you know about is, is the sticker working all of california it's so crazy oh, no. That you don't even know and they don't tell you. But I knew I wasn't hearing that beep. And I, I, I was know. like, sometimes I would think I heard it. You know, if one of the kids coughs, it's like, oh, it beeped. It beeped. It didn't beep. I, went, it's like, down, I went down to register my car, my most recent car and I was bracing for all the money that I would owe them. And I that's how I found out about this. They garnished from your, from your tax return. I was like, all right, well, here it is. And I know I know it's going to be steep. I know I owe you guys a lot, but whatever it is. And they're like, oh, no, we got you already. From the taxes? <laughs> how great yeah. is that? That is good. You know, it, it, like, so what, how do they even do that? It's my state taxes and my federal taxes. And they're just like, well, well DMV's like, oh, we take, we need, we, this is ours. You know how they're going to do it in the future? Because you're so young. I'll be long gone. I'm never doing face recognition ID. No way. 
No, Apple wants oh, my face. Like, no way. They're about to make it necessary to fly next year. 2025. Really? 2025, yeah. yeah. You have to have your face ID to go on an airplane? The new, that new federal ID is going to have face recognition. No, I got it beforehand. I got the one. It's they already last. got you, Dad. No, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They took your I picture. Was the first, yeah, I got a picture. That's not face ID. Ooh, we'll they're, pretty, they're pretty good. <laughs> Are they're they? pretty good. It looks like a regular got, camera. Oh, my, my God. has got mine. So don't you think all these problems, the stickers and the boxes and the ta- take it out of your taxes, take it out, put add it to your car registration. Don't you think this is why <laughs> so many people choose drugs, Chuck? I think it is. Because <laughs> when yeah. I, I'm trying for for fucking 20 years, I've been trying to figure out why do these kids take drugs that make them not want to exist? Because when me and my friends are taking drugs, we wanted to exist plural. We wanted to push existence to the brink of astral projection. We were wanting yeah. to live more intensely, not not live. And so those two, those two philosophies of using, like, I just wanted to have fun and go fucking go shoot speedballs at LA at the Hollywood Reservoir and, and climb trees and like be paranoid and have fun with Anthony and ride our bikes around Hollywood. I wasn't I sitting at home taking ketamine to make myself not exist. You've said this thing too about, you've said it before about how few people there were using hard drugs back in the day. Very and I, few. Think now, I knew all now 600 of them. And now it's so widespread, but there's different, you know, there's different. I feel like the booby trap and my my core group of friends when I was a teenager, we used drugs like you used drugs. We wanted to go yeah, be in the world yeah, and was, have a blast. There was cool, and, there was cool people at the booby trap. It was you a know, fun but, place. But there's also, it, it's just everything has been pushed a step ahead. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, when people said fuck on a record 30 years ago, it was 40 years ago, it was a big deal. Now there's records that that's the only thing said, and <laughs> so. it gets worse from there. There's some creative swearing that I didn't even know existed that I'm fully impressed with. But the, the no, but idea really, that but I everything think it's is all more the extreme. monotony, like it's all your credit and getting an apartment and all that hassles. Like, like, like I just think back to when me and Flynn Anthony and Pete were like, Pete got an apartment on Stanley and Hollywood Boulevard. I don't know how he got it. Got it from some girl that he knew and then he took it over me and anthony went and rented office spaces on hollywood boulevard in the same building and we just took you know we just washed ourselves in the sink like there was you now you can't even do that you you can't rent an office space on hollywood boulevard without having 700 credit it's like i understand why young people are so discouraged like I didn't have well, that, the, the student debt. I went to school the whole time. I never even knew you could do such a thing. I went to school. I went to college for seven years, Chuck. You'd think I would have run up some debt. You didn't have debt. You just went to school. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I had, I, I had, I had my school partially paid for a couple of times. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how I did it. Like it was per unit, right? You paid like $50 per unit or something. Yeah, I mean, like the major expense was, was uh, books. Yeah, books. But I worked in a bookstore. I just stole them. I worked at <laughs> off-campus books. No, I got all my books for free. And most of my friends' books for free. 
I had a that was a, that was a funny story. I'm sitting in there. Top Jimmy finds out I manage a bookstore, and he comes in, and he goes, "Hey, Mr. Jones, what are you doing?" And I was like, I was so excited. Top Jimmy was in my bookstore, and him and his wife Lucy Deal go walking around, and I see him. He's got stats. He's got arm full of books. He's got an arm full of books. Uh, like art books and like expensive books. And I'm like, Oh my God. And so to me, it's top Jimmy. He must be rich. He must make so much money off music. I didn't know anything. I'm, I'm 19 years old. This is in 1980. And so he comes up and he puts, the, she puts the books down. He puts the books down. It's like a stack of like 13, like really expensive used art books and books. Right. And he mm -hmm. goes, do you have a pencil, Mr. Jones? And I was like, yeah, I thought he was gonna, I said, you want a pen? Because I thought he was going to write a check. And he <laughs> said, no, a pencil. And so I give him a pencil and he starts opening the books. And if you know old bookstores in the old days, you just wrote the in pencil in the front page the price of the book. Do you remember this, Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> still, goes right? still goes on. Oh, it still goes on. So oh, yeah. he just took it and he'd open the page and he erased the he erased the price with the eraser on the pencil and he'd stack it and he went through the whole stack of books and I'm just standing there looking at him. Then he does Lucy's books. Then he takes them and pushes them towards me and says, we want to sell these books. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like this little kid, like what? You can't do that. And he goes, I want to sell these books. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, because I had to, you know, buy used books all the time. I was like, I can't do that. I can. And then I realized, like, you know, I was developing my streetwise sense, Chuck, right then in this moment. Is when <laughs> I like you realized, almost knew it. <laughs> yeah, no, I said, no, I said, well, I can do half of them. See, I figured like that. And so I took half of them. I put them back behind the couch. Register, and then I just priced them out and gave him like 60 bucks and he was on his way. And he was happy. <laughs> And everybody was happy, and you showed you had some balls. There's a no bit. hustles like that anymore. Where they trust a 19 year old kid to buy books out of the cash register with you money? Know, that doesn't exist at all. There's anymore. there's a lot of them that are gone. And after COVID, which was a great way to get everybody to go cashless, it's really put a ding in a lot of people's side hustles. I mean, when even like hey, you can't in, sell it, CDs. Like my hustles were CDs and foreign currency. Those are my two hustles. Do you know why the foreign currency, Chuck? Why? I have no Cause, idea. Because all my friends were in famous big touring rock bands and they always had a drawer in their house that had foreign currency. It was sitting there for fucking You're months right, and you years. Found it. You found it just it. left. Yeah. It, I was going to utilize it for good instead of it just sitting in a drawer somewhere. Yeah. And you're getting that filthy. And I remember the, the, problem was getting, the problem was like getting from their house to the, to the place where I used to exchange currency was at Fairfax. I mean, uh, Figaro and Wilshire in that weird mall across from the Hilton hotel, there was a currency exchange place there and i had to get downtown from like los Feliz or beverly hills or los laurel canyon it was a long it was a long bus ride down there but it was well worth it and i didn't have different currencies like argentinian currency is not worth anything yeah. so then i'm disappointed i got i think i've got like 
$200 and it's like $6. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes you hit the jackpot with those English pounds, Chuck. You hit the jackpot. So, and CDs and laser discs. Those were, so now none of those hustles exist anymore. If you travel, you just travel with your credit card. You don't need currency. And nobody buys CDs or laser discs. (laughs) No, there's no CDs. There's no laser discs. There's no DVDs. That's how I got across Europe was with laser discs. How about the fact that I had, I had, listen to this. I have like a million kids DVDs because I have three children, as you know, the wives of some of your VHSs are still in the garage. Uh, So I take all these like fucked up DVDs of kids like that we don't want that, you know, it's not Peppa Pig or Bluey or whatever. And I take them to the Goodwill and I brought them in (laughs) and she goes, "What, what, what is this? And I said, it's a bunch of DVDs. She goes, no, we don't need DVDs. I said, it's kids' DVDs, like like Pee Wee Herman and stuff. And she's like, no, we don't take DVDs. Goodwill doesn't take DVDs anymore. Yeah. So yeah. where are you going to get rid of it? People are just going to have to throw them away. Oh, yeah. Is there going to be yeah. a DVD res- renaissance like there is VHS and cassette? Mm-hmm. I doubt there it. Is, no. There is already, but it's not. it's real specific. It's like not about criterion, criterion, vinegar syndrome, and these things, specific movies, arrow, you know, not kids, not not uh, a failed children's shows. I'll put myself out uh, on blast. I I spend uh, I've got you know a newborn kid to take care of, and and times is tough. And I spent thirty dollars on a Blu-ray of Melvin and Howard. You remember that movie? I saw it in the movie theater, <laughs> my friend. Thirty dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for how about for the fact that? when you mentioned Howard then, Hughes? The great... How about your generation, Lige? They don't even know who Howard Hughes is. I mean, it, I like, like, I wouldn't nothing... either if I wasn't yeah. Chester, James Elroy and that stuff in history. Oh, who does like? I don't know. They don't know they anything don't... about history. They don't. They're not no. Why, what is unique about Howard Hughes is he was one of the few people who inherited a fortune and quadrupled it. Mm-hmm. Hughes Aircraft, because mm-hmm. he he inherited Hughes uh, Tool Company from his dad in Texas and, and oil. There was they, well, no, yeah. they made oil. They made the product, the drilling things for oil. They didn't have oil. They made the drilling things for oil. Oh. He might have had some oil, but Hughes. Yeah technology the metal technology was a drilling bit so it went down to to wildcat with and he took that and turned it into twa airlines and and rko studios like that guy was a fucking master of 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 life and then what happens he gets on drugs he he he, he (laughs) He gets on drugs drugs. (laughs) (laughs) they're not gonna have drug addicts like that anymore right Masters of masters of the economy that are frying on drugs. I don't know. I think, I, Bill, like, I think Bill Gates is like fried on drugs, living it, like a, with Elon, fingernails. Elon Musk long. seems like he's on ketamine daily all day long. Yeah, he, yeah, he, <laughs> he's he not, seems he's, like yeah, he's that might be the, a, the purest ketamine available. Yeah, he's doing <laughs> that. What is the heck is that? What's going to happen to all that X Twitter thing? How long mm. are they going to say? Formerly known as Twitter. When when does that end, Chuck? When it I changes it back to Twitter. 
Is it going to change back to Twitter? <laughs> no, you know what? I, th I think it's, it, I, I hope it goes, goes the way of the dodo and something, you know, I, I don't see any need for any more of those. Well, well they already replaced says, it with Instagram, replaced says, it with threads. So every time somebody says this tech company is the biggest thing ever in the history of mankind, I always say two things Yahoo and MySpace. Yeah. Yahoo. Yeah. Yahoo. You know, Yahoo controlled the world. Blackberry. But back to where you started this, Bob, they have what, what they do is people go, oh, fuck it. I'm off there. Anyhow, I'm going over here because it's more right wing or I'm going over here because it's more left wing. <laughs> and then they get in the echo chambers and it's no fun because there's no one to fight with. I'm so they end up coming back to where they can they can name call and just be brutal. And uh, that's just so bad for our psyche to to treat people like they're. Uh, they're not human beings. I, here's, I, I like to be very clear and precise about my philosophy. I think killing children is awful and bad. I think it's awful and bad. It's a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing when a mother kills her children when she's out of her mind, crazy, postpartum and drugs and depression. It's not good when a, when a government uses drones and kids in Las Vegas go to Starbucks and then they go play with drones and kill children. And I don't think it's good when one government does it or when another government does it. I think killing children, I just want it known, Chuck, I think killing children is really wrong. And well, whoever I, does it is a bad person. Well, I, I think there's someone <laughs> going to argue that. Um, you know, what? well, the thing what you don't you understand, say? Bob, is <laughs> prairie dogs. Prairie dogs do that when they take over another prairie dog's territory. They kill all the kids. Lions do it oh when they when they take over a pride. They kill the the cubs from the other male. So. Maybe maybe we're just more like animals than we want to admit. Well, I believe that, but we certainly think we're not. I like to think we're civilized. I see flashes of civility all the time, and then it, then it disappears, and I'm brought back to Earth. But I keep looking for that next flash of civility where we just we treat each other with dignity and respect. And well, not tailgate Bob because he cuts you off. Yeah, it's like I don't understand what, like, I don't know. I, I, like, I drive fast and I want to get where I'm going. And I just, I don't be rude to people. I just get to fucking go. I just go around them. Like, I don't cut them off. I don't tailgate them. I go. You can easily get where you want to go so fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we left at 11 at 8.03 today. Uh, I have a whole schedule here. If we leave at 8, 8 o'clock or 8.01, we're totally cool. If we leave at 8.03 like we did this morning, we got to make up a little time, gentlemen. And that's going to be maybe <laughs> running the light at baseline because that light is super long and there's nobody coming. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> yep. And Sid, Sid's always like, go, run it, run it, run it. And, I, and, we, and we, sing, we sing red light, red light, run it, red light, red light, run it. That's a replacement <laughs> song. Do you know that song, Chuck? <laughs> Don't, but I Dude, like it. Sid, at 8.05, Sid is screaming, singing, red light, red light, run it! At the what one is that from? Right is that from Let it's It Be? From, it's from the one with Johnny's Gonna Die, I think, or Hootenanny, maybe. Red light, red light, run it! Um, <laughs> so, so, and if I run that light, then I'm good. Because also, when you run that light, no one's ahead of you going slow. 
sometimes I might have to go around them, Chuck. I'm not rude to them. I just, you know, I just you go around. You tailgate and honk. Tailgate, I stay honk, very long maybe. in the middle lane. I don't go right over to try to tell them how slow they're going. I just get in the, the little yellow lane, the thing that's in the middle of the two lanes. The suicide just, lane, yeah. I just drive in there for quite a while and then well, he's over. Probably, that you know what? That's not a suicide lane where you live. That's an island. And that doesn't get any more illegal. You're supposed to pretend that that is a concrete structure when it's <laughs> when it's like that. You you but you know what? The knock yourself out. Yeah. You like Nobody's you like tickets. No, he's driving in it. <laughs> A friend of mine. Uh, but I'm pretty late. sure that's a double double. And a friend of mine was late <laughs> driving to Santa Barbara the other day on a Friday, and I said, "Oh, it's gonna be rough." And he's like, "Yeah, whatever." Just talk on the phone. And uh, and I recalled where uh, when Elvis Costello made um, the summer, the other side of summer, oh, yeah. that album, yeah. right? Um, Anthony had gotten back in Elvis Costello, but we were listening to. This year's model and Allison and and, yeah. and 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 Imperial Bedroom and stuff, and so I said Elvis Costello's opening his tour at Santa Barbara Bowl. We got to go, and he's like, "Okay." So we, I go out to Malibu, and I'm like, "We got to go. It's Friday. We got to go. We got to go." And he's like doing stuff or whatever, and so we didn't leave till like five o'clock, and the show's at eight, and it's bumper to bumper on the 101 there through Ventura, and I tell you. Anthony Kiedis got in that service lane and he just drove 65 miles an hour <laughs> in that service lane yeah. all the way from Ventura to Santa Barbara, just all the way. And, and it was astonishing. Like, like nobody stopped us, no cops, no nothing. We drove probably 30 miles in that lane and not going 25 or 30. No, we yeah, going, going like full it out. Was an open lane. You know how and there's I, the cones all down Santa, Sunset Boulevard in the center lane now? Yeah, I swear that's for him and a handful of other people. Go down the middle by Hollywood High, but I mean that's how I drive too. Those I'm are a little more, I'm oh, a yeah. little more conservative <laughs> than him, but I just, I just, my friend Double B, who is a great driver, one of the great <laughs> junkie drivers of all time, um, he had a philosophy, Chuck, that if most people are going on the Hollywood, this is on the 101 freeway going south to Alvarado. So, for for instance, where we would often go, and uh, he said he would go 110, oh my and he would not look behind him. He would just go from lane to lane and zigzag through traffic. And I said, "Double, you're not looking behind." He goes, "Most people are going 55, so when I'm going 110, they're standing still." And I'm like, <laughs> <"That's>... <laughs> I, "I don't know if that's mathematically correct." But it's pretty um, damn close, Chuck. It's pretty I, I damn close. I think if that's physics and that's fast, beyond us. <laughs> <laughs> but he would never even look if somebody was coming. He would just assume nobody's coming faster than me. Right? How many accidents was he in? How many accidents oh, his was car he in? was beaten up, but but it was still running. That was in parking was lots a, going three miles rabbit, an hour. It was get, a get rabbit a convertible. Stop it was a rabbit convertible, <laughs> and we didn't wear seatbelts, and we're both still alive. Oh, yeah. And I saw him at the Dodger game a couple months ago. There so you go. think about that. Think about all the seatbelts and the car seats and the baby seats and the backwards placing and all this kind of stuff. We were going 110 miles an hour. High out of our minds down the 101 freeway, not looking to, to the lane that you're changing into, 
no seatbelts convertible with no top. It was all torn up and really, and we're still here. So you could say that's luck or we're irresponsible or whatever. That's just my experience. Well, because if you're going, uh, it's the law of inertia. If you're going 110, everything going slower is practically going backwards. Well, it's standing yeah. still. That was his philosophy. All I was concerned with was his lack of looking when he changed lanes. And his philosophy was, well, there's nobody yeah. in front of us. That's where you really got to worry. If somebody's going 55 or 60 in front of us and we're going 110, that's where your concern should be in front of you. Behind <laughs> yes. you, it's not a concern. No. He also mm-hmm. had a song called One Headlight and Half a Brain. One headlight and half brain brain, driving in the left and not the right lane. (laughs) It fits. At least it was truthful. Dad, you remember (laughs) that first that first car you gave me? My first car I ever had was that. Which one was it? The blue blue Celica. Yeah, blue. Yeah. Yeah, and I I had that thing, and then I I went to get the brakes done, brakes and calipers done. And the guy you sent me to, and he was like, 300 bucks. I was like, $300 to get all new brakes and calipers all over the car. That was insane to me. This is 20 years ago. It sounds fair. But so I just didn't do it at all. I called you in a panic. Sounds like too much. Just pump the brakes. And I did that. But I ran that car down until it had absolutely no brakes at all. And you'd just be, you'd have to predict when traffic would slow down. You have to yeah, predict. Yeah, you got to go you know? slow. Yeah. That's what they put that first gear for. You got to drive just, yeah. to <laughs> one. <laughs> one just slowing down gear. Eventually, it had no brakes at all. And we called it no brakes. And only like three or four of my friends would ride in it. And we'd all laugh hysterically. Didn't you jump start time. it and put the cable? <laughs> didn't you jump start it and put the cables on the wrong side? I think that might have been another one. So get this. Maybe that one. He, I didn't we, teach we him how to put it backwards and melted the yeah. battery. Yeah, I put the basic. <laughs> he didn't think like you, that, that there's a positive. I, somewhere along in Elijah's, uh, I, my parenting of him, I didn't teach him about positive negative. To be fair, I so, wasn't very teachable around yeah, the time yeah. he should have been showing so you want to pay. <laughs> you want to pay close attention to the plus and the minus uh. of the battery. Correct, Chuck? Isn't that the yeah, of course. It says it right on there. I was so, just doing uh, trial and error. I had a 50-50 chop. <laughs> yeah, and, and you fucked it. No, you, you have you a 25% chop, chop because you don't know what cables you put on the other car, too. You're lucky you didn't blow up the other car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I might have fucked up both cars. <laughs> usually there's a color. Usually there's one of them. Black and red. red. Isn't it black? <laughs> but see, yeah. if, you, if no one ever told you red is positive and black is negative, you might have it switched, right? You very, you very so he, well could. So he melts the car over by Anti-Club on Normandy. And he says, Dad, this car is like the whole thing caught on fire and like it's all fucked up. And I was <laughs> like, well, it looks like it's time to figure out a bus pass. I, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, it sounds like a, sounds like a personal problem, son. No, I gave him a car. Here's the thing. I gave him a car that the radio worked in, Chuck. That's all you need as a six, uh, 20, well, you're 19, 19, 18, yeah. 19. 19. Uh, when you're 19, all you need is a car that gets you where you got to go and has a radio. That's all you need. You don't need much more than that. You I might called. need brakes once in a while. No, no. I just get you know. This is the early days of cell phones. I got on the phone when my friend Logan came into Grand Central Station and I said, you got to be outside. You got to be standing at the curb. I can't stop. You got to get in the curb. <laughs> 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 I'd come to a slow 
I, you I just throw your bag down. in the back window and in. jump in the front window get and in the get block. on the road. We'll get back to it. I used to commute to Joshua <laughs> in that car. Oh, wow. That's what How did was it that? was that hill. <laughs> going, down the car. hill going down the hill, destroy brakes. I just remember that, <laughs> that when you had to, like, when it was so scary to have no brakes at all, the best ride was getting to the top of the 110 at Dodger Stadium and coming down that. It's a curve and down that hill. And you just be laughing, holding the steering wheel, hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, you gotta hope that nobody stops. Hope the traffic's flowing. Uh, so, this is a, this is life. This is life, and this is funny, and it's fun, and this is what I don't understand. What everybody thinks life is. Life is, you know, no breaks and all the trials and tribulations of life. I don't understand what Americans want, Chuck. You don't get a free pass. Everybody suffers. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has tragedy. Everybody, everybody, like, I don't understand why everybody's so miserable. That'll be my theme going forward in 2024. I've seen so many people so fucking angry and miserable the last six months or year. I'm just tired of it. It's boring. Who fucking <laughs> cares? Why do these people care oh, so much boy. about this shit? Why do people care so much about shit that doesn't involve them? Because they didn't watch Sound of Music, and they didn't they they didn't they don't think about the things, the the few of their favorite things. They're, oh my boy! I oh my on boy! The negative. Oh so I, I I think uh, Elijah <laughs> hit it hit it on the head where it's just I think people are addicted to it, and I think they can't get away from the ne negativity, and they don't want to after a certain point. Like at first, it's fun, and then it becomes. The, the anger, anger is a, a true energy, man. Anger is its own drug. And I think people do get addicted to it and they like, they like to be miserable. And, and that's, it's sad that so many so people that's have made that thing. decision. I, I think that part of the addiction problem is that addicts are so sensitive to this awful misery that's being spit at everyone all the time that they just want to anesthetize themselves and they just want to not exist to not feel that hatred and that anger and that frustration and that, that pounding down. I feel like, you know, I'm pretty resilient, but I feel like some days it's just, the world is just pounding down on me. It just never stops. I opened my phone today and it said my credit score went down 65 points. And I, I was like, do I want to even know why that is? I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> but if I wanted to, I would know, you know, what, whatever it is I'm not supposed to have done. I try to do the right thing. Sometimes I don't have enough money or whatever. Here's the thing. I have a bill and I don't have the money to pay it. So then I forget it. And then it like goes a month and it doubles. And then I'm like, holy shit. Like, I think I owe the cell phone company like 350 bucks. I'm like, holy shit. And so then yeah, I paid yeah. and I paid 200 on it today. And I, and I realized, like, oh, that's probably the 65 points that went down. <laughs> I, didn't pay, I didn't pay Verizon last month. Holy do shit. you want to spend your whole <laughs> you want to spend your whole day pulling your hair out, sweating and getting miserable trying to figure out what those 65 points are? Yeah. Or yeah, do you want to just get on with the business of the fucking day? Yeah. And that that is, you know, and I miss Mike, but I also don't like the stories I'm hearing. I've heard a hundred Stories about Mike in the last three weeks that start with Mike was so fucked up. And I I told Chuck in the pre-show, like, I always, I, I got angry about it. Like, it's just over and over again. Mike was so fucked up or we were so fucked up. And and I, I said to this one guy, you know, Mike hadn't had a drink in 31 years. 
right? He hadn't had a drink in 31 years. Yet the first thing out of your mouth about him is you and he were so fucked up. Like I had great times with Mike sober, like, you know, starting this podcast and recording, you know, the, his, and his, his, uh, whatever I wanted his opposite. So we record this song comfortably numb by Pink Floyd. One of my favorite songs of all time, beautiful rendition. Mike plays the solo. So perfect. It's so great. And then we want to make a video for the podcast, uh, about all the drug overdose stuff. So this kid that was working with us edited, I think you saw it, right? Chuck, you saw I the did, video. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking brutal, right? Yeah. And so I thought, like, no way, we can't put this out. And Mike's like, why not? It's the fucking truth, isn't it? I'm like, Mike, I don't want to put this out into the... Elijah, we edited all the found footage on social media of finding dead bodies in cars and in bathrooms at parks and stuff. There's all this found footage. And And we we put it to the song Comfortably Numb, and it was just unwatchable and i was just like ah we can't put this out like it's too harsh and then we're gonna try to clean it up but then you can't clean it up because it had a theme like we want to show all the horrible ugly death in america from fentanyl and and oxycontin you can't really then have some happy thing come in hey everybody's happy um <laughs> but, so i wanted but to you get it mike was like no we should post it we should put it up people should see this and uh and it was it was just like that's Mike. Anything I want, he wants the opposite. If well, I said this is awesome, let's put it out. He would said, "You can't put that out. It's depressing." You, it's depressing. <laughs> you know, you, you know what's what I remember about that whole thing was how Mike had to single track all the drums because he couldn't play a drum kit. So he recorded the kick, he recorded the hi hat, yeah, yeah. and he recorded the snare. And then he recorded try to find symbols. It. Try to find it, on, <laughs> Elijah. You have his computer. Try to find comfortably numb and play I'll it at the end it. of the show. And yeah. uh, and the video might be in there too. The video is just oh god. Considering all I, that we've been talking I, the video about, made about me the culture, sick. it probably would have been a huge hit. Throw up. Ten million. Yeah, yeah you know what? <laughs> it probably would have become a dude. That dude's so <laughs> fucked. Did you see that, bro? That video's so fucked. Yeah, up. bro. Look at that fucking simp incel. And we had maybe feel really one, bad. <laughs> one part, well, it wasn't very funny. That one part, no, saying, they like tell people. a kid in rehab that his mom has died of drugs. A little yeah. kid, like a 12-year-old kid. And it's just like, oh, my God. And me and Chuck are counselors, and we're like, what counselor's idea was this? This was oh, not a yeah. good idea. Because yeah. it was obvious the dad was in rehab. And they were in a rehab setting, remember Chuck? And they told the kid that his mom was dead and and they were videotaping it. It's like, oh my God, what kind of society have we become? You can't even have privacy when you tell your uh, 12-year-old boy his mother is dead. You got to film it. You got to film it. Right? And so, anyways, I just, I miss Mike, but I don't like hearing the stories that we were so fucked up and da-da-da-da-da. I guess I tell a lot of stories when we were fucked up, but we were in a band and we were playing music. And that thing of looking over at him when well, he's but, saying, but, it, but it's also a possession thing, too, because you've been with him straight since those times, had all these ups and downs. It's like, I can, I can make fun of my dad, but if you do, we're going to have a situation. 
or if I feel like you're not giving someone I care about enough credit, you know, and there is, there is credit to being clean and sober for the amount of time he was and the amount of people he helped and the amount of meetings that he went to where I know he helped people. I know that he helped people along in their careers. I know Kurt Bingham was like, man, I would not have been able to do anything. He taught me how to do what I do for a living. You know, Eddie Avalos has nothing but kind words yeah. about him and how he, you know, taught him and brought him along. And he did that as a sober person. I, as love, a member. I love Eddie Avalos so much. And he, he doesn't have very, he, he's a fun guy. He's a funny guy. He never, there's not that many people he has a bunch of nice things to say about. He fucking loves Mike. Like he, Right. I've never seen him broken up like this. I've never seen him so. Yeah, I haven't seen. Yeah, there's been so some really. Sweet. Let's put it that way. Mike Mart's impact on people's lives. I've seen some really hard people that I've never seen cry, cry repeatedly about Mike. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I talked to Keith Morris about it tonight, and he was like, it's kind of like, I've no, Mike Mart's been in my life every day for 41 years and now he's not in my life anymore but is he he, he is though he's not because like know. you know as soon as elijah yeah. started this show like oh god this machine i was like that's mike mark that's he mike set it mark. up, started he set it up just like, like this that. for me <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> i, I, I felt bad because i saw keith on friday at the the book reading thing and i asked him if he was going to be in town for Mike. No, he's not. He's and, not. And and he goes, no, nah, I'm going to be in Australia. But it, the 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 way his face changed when I asked him that question, I felt like such a dick because here we are at a book reading. I got to bring up the fact that there's a thing for his friend who just passed. Why do I even need to go there? Uh, Why do I feel the need to? You know, but it's just like. You know, but it's just like one of those things where I could see that it had, and he's, you know, we're not kids. None of us are kids. We've seen a lot. We've done a lot. We know what's going on, but to watch it, watch it change someone's face. And for me to, uh, to put him, I didn't like the fact that I put him in that position, you but didn't, he, you didn't do anything wrong. I've known well, Mike Mart and Keith my whole life. Neither of them shied away from anything or got disturbed by much of anything. Yeah. And, and it's that you both loved Mike very much and shared a lot with him and that you want, you know, you hoping that he'd be there to celebrate him. He's got work. He's got work to do. It's not. Oh know, yeah. And, and well, no, I said, well, I talked to him about it and he was, he's going to be in Brisbane on the 21st. The, uh, and I was like, how awesome is that? Mike could yeah. be, Mike was so proud of off. He like thought, you know, I think, I think that Keith and Mike had a unique relationship that, that, I think Mike was so happy that Keith was playing music and maybe sad that he himself wasn't right. And we talk about it playing music and it was just so hard. And Smog and I talked about it. Mike was hard to play music with sober. He was hard. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to mince things about this. He was much easier to deal with when he was drunk. Once he became sober, it was really hard to deal with him. Like harder than drunk. And see, that's the gray of life that no one wants to talk about. Good, bad, right, wrong, black, white, this, that, you know. And no, it was really gray. He was very controlling. He was hard to compromise. He was hard to get along with. He, he, he was hard. And when he was fucked up, he was just like in his own world. And you could just, he just added to what we were doing. 
Like sometimes, right, he's right. Subtract, right. sometimes he subtracts. Throw a lasso around and pull him into the song. <laughs> right, no, no. That... But he wasn't trying to tell everybody what to do. And in sobriety, that was a really difficult thing for him. Right? Well, yeah. The, the local and having control, Xander right? and him in a band together, I just can't imagine those poor guys in Lone Sweet. Oh Ooh. my God, I feel for them. <laughs> and by the way, two Love of you, them Xander. were in a band with Shane McGowan. <laughs> Two of them, I saw the Shane McGowan Memorial and I was like, oh my God, those guys are going to be at Mike's Memorial too. Both their singers, like you understand that two of the guys yeah. in the Pogues were in Low and Sweet. Yeah. Right. And, and that guy, Nick, Nick, Nick Cave at, at Shane's oh, Memorial. Awesome. Oh my God. I saw him get choked up a couple of times and, when, and I rewound it and whatever. Like Nick Cave has been through what no parent can imagine what he's oh, been shit. through. Right. And, and the fact that I think when somebody that you love dies, you're, you're also getting so emotional about life itself and the loss of his child and, and it's just so fucked up. And you saw him two different times. He had to regroup when he was singing. I could feel yeah. him like, oh, yeah. I he, he was processing I his children on. and everything else. You know, I, I read Faith, Hope, and Carnage, and it was so. It's a really good book. It, it was so crazy. It just, I, I, I mean, because I don't look to people for my spiritual solutions, but he got. He got raw and honest and wasn't concerned what people were going to think about him when he was talking about that stuff. And then and people of my age are like, can you believe it? Nick Cave is Christian. What the fuck? What a sellout. You got to grapple with faith and, and you deal with you grief. Can't, but you have to be cynical when you're young because you know everything yeah. between 20 and 30, you know? So if I'm talking to someone who's 21 or 22, I'm not offended by their opinions anymore because I know that that's what I was. I was just anti for the sake of anti. I'm and going to end it on the most positive note. Right here on my desk is a St. Jude Catholic uh, uh, candle that my good friend Jules Aransky sent to me that, that got to my house today. And he wrote a note that said, God bless you and your family, Bob. I love you. That is an act of Christendom, of Catholicism, but it's also an act of a loving person. Mm -hmm. and, my, and I'm an atheist, and I accept it in the loving grace that it is. And the problem of millennials, the problem of our society dictated by social media narcissism, is there's no grace. There's no allowance. Like, you know, and Jules and I have gotten in tit-for-tat discussions, for sure, but I love and honor him. I, I have a lot of... Probably, I don't have many evangelical friends, but I have a lot of Catholic friends like Joe Escalante and and this guy Jules Urbanski, and I love them and I respect them and I and I and I and it's grace and it's kindness and it has nothing to do with my opinion of God or whatever. And some people, I'm telling you, the social media just fuels that your opinion matters. Let me tell every listener, your opinion doesn't fucking matter any more than the next <laughs> person's. Right. It it's doesn't. Just important there are seven and a half billion people on this planet, and all of them got an opinion about something. So, you know what I mean? It's just like so stupid to think your opinion is paramount or superior to other people's opinions. No, it's my opinion. 
It means something to me. I've wrestled with the subject matter and concluded something and I have an opinion about it, but I don't expect you to bow down to it or, or that it's superior to your wrestling with those same issues, whether it's abortion, God, life, politics. <clears throat> I have opinions and so does everyone else. And what social media has done is make you think that your opinion matters more than other people's opinion. And if you get in an echo chamber with a bunch of people that have your same opinion, you think that opinion is the majority's opinion. It's not. There are no majorities. There's or, seven and a half billion people on this planet. There's no majority. Or you're trying to find people that disagree with you to, like Chuck was saying earlier, get high on the conflict. But, but, but that's, the that's more of American. But you're not going to find a majority in any of that. Where You'd have to have having a majority of of human beings on planet earth you'd have to have 3.75 billion people on your side can you well, get I that think, i i think can you we get could that? With, i think we could that. with killing kids is bad <laughs> yeah. well that's also yeah. i think yeah. i would love to hear the arguments against it i think that <laughs> that's, that's for it. <laughs> uh, and yeah. and let's oh just talk God. about children from from birth on yeah and let's, but, but, but you can't, there's no one religion that dominates 3.75 million billion people. There's no religious no, majority no, but I think in we this can get world. the majority of them to sign on. <laughs> but, but, and you, and you, you can't get, but listen, I'm, this is something I learned in college, like 50 <laughs> years ago. You can't get a majority of the people on the planet to believe in a political uh, institution. Whether it's a parliamentary system, a communist democracy, a dictatorship, you can't get a majority of people on this planet to agree on anything. That, that it's just simple math. I think a lot of people too, when they ascribe to one of the camps, they're just they're just it's lip service in a lot a lot of ways. As we see with this lady in Florida, she's she's all about anti gay rights and she's having gay sex. It's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. I want to see. I want to see, see them. I was. You know. I want to see. Apparently, there's video. Did you, did you see the sex in Congress? That was. Oh awesome. yeah. That's that was so awesome. Did hey, you see it, Chuck? Go, I didn't watch see, it, but social, I'm happy. I'm not for on it. social media. You know, I see all the important videos. I saw that video. <laughs> I saw you know everything you need to know. They're I making sex tapes of none of the I know. killing. We'll leave it with this. I know about the Florida woman, and I know about the kid in Congress. And, and, and then they blurred know, out really? parts of the video in Congress, and I was like. Is he is the guy in front of him or is he behind it? I can't tell. Why are they blurring out? Because the kid's proud of it. He's all over, you know, the news. Like, you know, yeah, why am I, I fired? <laughs> he, he couldn't figure out why he was fired. He couldn't figure out why he was fired, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> he had well, sex you know, in the place where they where they put the names where where the three presidents of the colleges testified he had sex in that room just like last week well they, they fired him obviously because he was gay things that happened in that room <laughs> obviously because he was gay yeah oh, that's God, what i made a be. list of all the great things that had happened in that room historical things that happened <laughs> yeah. in that room it's like a timeline that, 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 that will be the hero. top that kid's a hero and now he's running around like a victim like stop you had a great time that no one will I'll remember that till the day I die. Those two Congratulations. little guys. Congratulations. That was 
<laughs> so how many things can okay. you do that are just unique and that you've never heard before? I have never heard that before. I've heard certainly the thing in Florida with the lady, yeah. But never have I heard of sex in the con in the Congress, in, in the Capitol building. That was awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Yay, we've got some so other there's hope. out there's there. Hope. There's and hope. And in 10 years, alive. it won't Keep be a fireable offense. Enough, enough, enough. Good was night, fun. gentlemen. Good night, everybody. Love to bug. Thank you very much, guys. See you later. Love, Love to bug. Good night. Thank you. Good job, Elijah. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff.